This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, and I am Glenda Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Phoenix, Arizona, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for April 18th, episode 1916, brought to you by Horselovers.com. Good morning, Horse World. Big Wednesday, the day you face your own biggest challenge, the day you risk it all, the day you either distinguish yourself or fade into the crowd. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, I got word yesterday, Jamie, I haven't even told you this, but it looks like uh, Horses in the Morning is up uh, to defend our title. We have uh, been a finalist again in the American Horse Publications, uh, so where we won last year's Best Podcast Award. Well, we're mm-hmm. in the finals again this year. Wow, so, that's exciting. So what shows are uh, are in it? I don't because know. I, I feel like all horse podcasts are horse radio network podcasts. That's so. not true anymore because there's a couple of racing ones and stuff that submit every year. So I didn't get the fi- – all I got was that we're in it. I, they didn't tell us who we're against yet. So Is there a swanky award show again? That we yes, have to go to it's in uh, Hunt Valley, Maryland this year. Okay. So we- have you ever been to Hunt Valley? No, but fancy. Maryland sounds cold right now. It's, it's, it's in June. <laughs> Okay, maybe I can go. <laughs> it's uh, it's in Hunt Valley, and Hunt Valley is known for kind of a high end of the horse area up there. Nice. So, so it's uh, it's a cool place, and uh, we'll be doing that in June. So we'll find out if we can take it two years in a row. I'm trying to remember what I submitted. You and I talked about it. Which episode I submitted? I don't remember. Uh, oh really? I, I don't remember that. I don't remember what I submitted. <laughs> I don't remember either. I literally don't remember this show. It had when to be I'm one with this show. It probably was one Leslie was on. <laughs> we could probably be pretty safe to say that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, what is coming up on today's show, Jimmy? Jimmy. On today's show, Dr. Madison Shamit. Hello. Yep, you're here. Go ahead. <laughs> on today, all right, cool. On today's show, Dr. Madison Seamus helps us understand what's true and what's not about equine herpes. Ooh. Olympic adventure Jessica Phoenix is checking in with us, and we can't wait to hear what's new. Sally from Heels Down joins us for more laughs, I'm sure. And Jamie gives us Chapter 25 of the Opium Equation, so you don't want to miss any of it. It's a packed show, as always, today, guys. And speaking of today, you guys are going to love this. Today is International Amateur Radio Day. And I feel <laughs> That's like us. We celebrate that at HRN every day. So yay, <laughs> us. <laughs> they put a day after for us. How about that? <laughs> like we got to give them something. They just won't go away. 
they won't go away. It's been eight years. We're at 2,000 episodes, and they're still here. <laughs> <laughs> We still have to plan something to do for our 2000th episode. I have to figure out when that is. We need to be together for that. Somewhere. Let me tell you what's going to happen when we hit our 2000th episode. <laughs> You're going to be sitting in Florida, and I'm going to be sitting in Arizona. And we're going to go, dang, we meant to plan something for this. And here <laughs> exactly, we are. Exactly. It's the 2000th episode. <laughs> I, and I, say, we have planned ahead but, on occasion, maybe once or twice in eight years. Glenn, we did not remember our anniversary until our seventh anniversary. <laughs> Which is pretty much what I did with my marriage, too. So, uh, <sighs> consistency is the key to success in the world, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, my daily winning. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> okay, happy birthday to auditors Haley Clements and our friend Dominique Ferrero. It was her birthday yesterday, so happy birthday to both of them. And I have a second one I have to do here today. So my second one goes out to my wife, Jennifer, who starting tomorrow afternoon is going to have to take care of my butt because uh, I go in for my surgery tomorrow. So I Jenny, for sure, like literally your butt, because you can't even wipe your butt. That's pretty much going to be it. Uh, I have still, Ow. I'll still have one good hand, so I'll be all right there. Um, so, <laughs> so, so not get both shoulders operated on. So I went and saw the surgeon on Monday, and he's he comes in. He's kind of this dry sense of humor guy, and he comes in and says, "Well, I just looked at your scans again, and this is the story." I always love when they start like that, right? Uh, this is a story. It could, you have a 50-50 shot of having a whole lot of hardware in your arm, or we just clean it out and you're going to be you're going to be good as gold. And then he says, so get this, and you're a baseball fan. So he says, you're only 55, so I, I'm going to make your shoulder baseball ready. Oh, and, yes. And then I got to thinking, what's, he, what's the cutoff age where he doesn't care about whether your shoulder works again after the surgery? Where he doesn't make it baseball ready. Is it 60? You know, I was trying to, I was going, in my mind, while he was standing there, I almost asked him, but I thought, well, he's going to be operating on me, but better not piss him off now. So, um, yeah, so he said, uh, 50 50 chance. I go in and clean it. He's got like six things he used to do in there. Uh, and he, he said, or you're going to have three bolts and this and that and this little plate. Blah, blah, and, blah. Uh, and it's like, uh, and he said, I said, well, what's the big difference for me? Because that's all I really cared about, right? And he said, well, either way, I'm going to make sure that you're baseball ready. He used that term again. So he must be a big baseball fan uh, or work on a lot of baseball players. I don't know. Yep. Um, <laughs> and then he said, uh, he said, so the difference is uh, with the with the one without the with the hardware, he called it, without the hardware, then you'll be a week in a sling. And in two months, you'll be back. You'll do the exercise. In two months, you'll be back to normal. The other one, you're going to be four to six weeks in a sling, and it's going to be six months till you're back to normal. And I'm like, okay, let's go for no hardware. I don't really. Let's need try that. the first one. Yeah, yeah. let's go so, for option you A. You know what's funny is like you start describe. We're going to have a vet on, and I can talk about the ins and outs of like anything to do with a horse. You can talk about slicing a horse open and talking about its intestines or like doing anything gross to a horse. I've been involved in a necropsy where you like take the horse apart and you look at everything. You mentioned putting a bolt in your shoulder and my butt goes numb. <laughs> like, oh, 
<laughs> oh, no, but, stop. Then he finished it by saying, oh, I love this. He finished it by oh. saying, oh, and what's the worst pain you've ever had? And I said, well, I broke ribs here recently. So that was pretty bad. He said, this is going to be much worse than that. <laughs> I was like, great. Thanks, Doc. Appreciate it. So He's, just like my mom, when I say, mom, stop telling a story, she continues to tell the story. How many times have you grossed me out with horse things over the last eight years? I'm going to continue horse? telling this story throughout the rest of the show. This is a horse radio network <laughs> show, Glenn. It's not the Glenn And there are so radio many network. horse peoples that have shoulder injuries. I am there to support and help them right now by telling their I story. I have one, but I'm not going to talk about it. Okay, move on, mom. Yeah, because Jeez. you're too chicken to go get the surgery. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need it yet. I'm not 55, old man. <laughs> you better get it done, apparently, before you're 60, because you got to be baseball ready. got to be baseball ready. <laughs> okay, now's the time. We've been preparing Dear Pink for the reception of Ruben Yon, her husband, because she's now married to him, according to one of my students. So Rubinian was mailed to us. My dear sweet husband went to FedEx, picked up the box. <laughs> like, he calls me. I'm like, you know you got semen in the car with you, right? He's like, so I don't talk about it. <laughs> so he brings <laughs> home the semen. <laughs> we, I have a pep talk with it. As you guys know, I had a talk with the semen, and everybody thought it was weird around me, but then I got tons of emails from listeners saying they also had had pep talks with Siemens before. Um, I thought that was weird too, by the way. I didn't think it's all kind of weird. Yeah. Lots of people thought I thought it was weird, but apparently I'm not the only one who's (laughs) talked to the box. Um, We're pregnant. Yeah. Are you? We're pregnant. We got an ultrasound. Okay. Let's clarify this for new listeners. Jamie is not pregnant. Her mayor is pregnant. Yeah, no, not me. I mean, ship has sailed in this household. <laughs> um, yeah, so so Pink is pregnant. We ultrasounded her yesterday, and she has a tiny little little baby. Like you know how cute they are when they're this age. They're just little well, black dots. So how many? <laughs> how how soon after do you ultrasound? Fourteen days. Okay, so, so it's about, two okay. Weeks. about two weeks. So. I was going to say the next this... day. It's there already. <laughs> no, no, no. <clears throat> you have to wait till it grows big enough. So the kind of weird thing that happened is, and this is where we get into horse talk and you're probably going to get grossed out. Uh, So she was in heat and we bred her. And what you want is that when you breed them for them to release that follicle, it travels down the fallopian tube into the uterus and gets fertilized. And then when that happens, when they release that follicle, they go out of heat. And so I teased her every day. She's in heat. She's in heat. She's in heat. We bred her the next day. She was not in heat. And I was like, yeah, it happened that quickly. Perfect. It just, once it releases that, that chemical is gone. But the next day after that, she was in heat again. Uh, I'm like, what the heck? And so I called the vet. I'm like, oh no, we got to come and give her the second dose because they send you two doses because she's in heat again. She was like, well, probably what happened because this is very much like pink. um, She released another follicle. And so she had the one follicle, the big black colt traveled down the floating tube. When the uterus got fertilized, boom, done. Well, she went into heat the next day. So she thinks maybe she had another follicle. So that could have also come down the fallopian tube and got fertilized because the little swimmers were still viable at that time uh, because they live like 48 hours. 
And um, so now we have to check her again tomorrow to make sure there's not one that's two days younger. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we had to check for twins because if you have twins, it's very, very bad. So she'll be back out tomorrow to make sure there's not two black colts in there. <laughs> you have the, you have, you find any excuse to get the vet back out again. You find the most unusual ways to increase your vet bill. I don't like paying vet bills, Glenn. It's just the way that it goes. You know, why can't it just be a normal thing? No, we got our ultrasound and she's like, there's might be ovarian cysts, but they also could be, uh, I'm sorry, not ovarian cysts. They they could be like uterine cysts or Mm. they could be follicles. I don't know. Babies. I don't know. So we have to wait and see if she measured them, see if they're going to grow, blah, blah, blah. I hope I have better luck with the surgeon tomorrow than you have with the vet. I'm just saying. Hey, my mare's pregnant. Thank you very much. <laughs> We're pregnant. Yay. Congratulations. I don't I have any chatted. congratulations to your pregnant music, though. Um, <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Thank God that's not finger ready. <laughs> so I sent Chad a picture of the ultrasound. Of course, it's like that gray screen with like the black circle. And yeah. I just took a picture of the screen and I sent him. I'm like, We're pregnant. I, I know he's got to be like, God, woman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, especially after all you've been through in the past year to get that (laughs) I don't know how he puts up with you I really don't it's time for the horses in the morning horse health report when our intrepid hosts together with an unlucky member of the equine veterinary trade attempt to inform enlighten or terrify horse owners everywhere into funding a kickstarter campaign to mass produce Kevlar coated bubble wrap lined equine products and now Dr. Siemens is online, and I think what he's thinking, why he's li- sitting on hold and listening to us, is he's going, God, I'm glad I don't live near here. Near her. <laughs> I think he's probably saying the same thing, yes. <laughs> but either that, or he's like, man, how are I, could, this morning? <laughs> I could really cash in on her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're see. great. How are you? I'm running up and down the road just crazy as always. And I, I learned, you know, at my age, I don't get a whole lot of firsts, but I learned a little something this week. What's I learned right? why uh, human doctors don't like working on family members. I've been working on my wife's horses here recently, and I've just discovered something. Human <laughs> doctors don't work on family members. It's not a matter of ethics. It's a matter of economics. Because family members won't pay their bills. <laughs> oh, my God. That wife of yours, she's not paying her bill? She's tough. I'll tell you what. So, But i got to be nice to her because i got to sleep sometimes, you know? so i dated a guy who uh was a vet and he did uh when he was courting me oh my gosh he did all of this work for me and he just he just did anything my horse needed he would come up with ways to like treat my horses right and then when we broke up he gave me a bill for fourteen thousand (laughs) dollars that's not a lie (laughs) Really? You got off cheap. <laughs> I didn't know he was logging every. He was charging me farm calls, and the horses were at his house, <laughs> in his backyard. Crazy. That's another story for another time, Doctor Seaman. Talk to us about herpes. <laughs> well, I'd rather, rather yeah. Talk can about we stay boy. on that story because yeah, we got to talk about herpes? So uh, let's let's yeah, move on. 
Let's move on. Seg- segue your old boyfriend into uh, talk about herpes. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's, there's no shame in this kind of herpes, okay? So there's no social stigma. <laughs> No, what, what, we're, what we're talking about is, is, is something called equine herpes myeloencephalopathy. Say that three times fast. Uh, we can just call it EHM for short. And uh, it's, it's received a lot of press recently because of some outbreaks and some problems. And, and you know, when you start talking about viruses in general, it opens up this amazingly large dialogue, very, very complicated uh, when we start to think about what viruses do and how they act. And at the, at the very basic cellular level, the virus is the perfect parasite because other parasites, whether it's a bacteria or a helmet like a roundworm or something like that, they have uh, a lot of physiology and anatomy that they need to survive. So they have digestive tracts, although they're fairly crude. They have the ability to move and avoid predators and all the things that virtually all animals can do. But a virus being a perfect parasite, all it has is basically DNA or RNA, the ability to commandeer a host cell to cause the host to do all that work for him or her, whatever it is. I don't know if, I don't know if you can sex viruses <laughs> or not. <laughs> but, uh, look, look under their tail. I don't know how you go about doing that. But, but the, the challenge here is that we're dealing with a whole different life form. In fact, for the longest time, there was a fair amount of argument as to whether or not viruses were alive at all. But we start thinking about, about equine herpes virus, and we've, we've known about this virus for a long time. Um, there have been several vaccines that have been out there, and you can still buy vaccines against They They used to call it rhinopneumonitis. And the reason that they did was because they first isolated those virus particles from, from nasal secretions in horses that, uh, that were having respiratory, stuff, respiratory challenges. But now we know that, well, it just gets more complicated. So we used to think that there was four variants of this virus, cleverly named equine herpes virus 1, 2, 3, and 4. Now we know there's nine of them. And so it just, it just gets better and better all the time. And so 20, 30 years ago, we would see this EHM-type symptoms, horses that would develop neurologic problems, basically stumbling. Uh, some of them would get so bad they couldn't even stand. Uh, and we, we would put them right there in the hospital next to other horses, and we never had a problem with it spreading. That has changed. And so we had an outbreak uh, back in 2011 down in Utah, and uh, there was 40 or 50 horses affected down there. And so people got to thinking and got a little bit worried about exactly what this was doing. And so that has opened up a whole other line of research uh, about this particular disease. Okay, so if you say we used to give the rhino vaccine, that's just part of your East Flu rhino was always kind of like a a vaccine that went together. So is the rhino vaccine not useful anymore? Uh, Let's see, how can I say this very politically correct and not step on any toes? It's absolutely useless. Okay. <laughs> Easy there. Yeah. Wow. Really? Don't hold back. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it is. I mean, we used, you know, there's with the, the, the bug is a very, very interesting parasite because it can cause respiratory disease like influenza. That's why they call it rhinopneumonitis, meaning rhino means the nose and pneumonia. Okay. okay. Uh, we also know that it causes abortion. It can cause uh, neonatal loss. It can cause, you know, full death. Uh, and so 
for the longest time, and I think some farms still do, they will give a, a, a herpes booster to pregnant mares at five, seven, and nine months of gestation. And this was supposedly to prevent the viral abortion. Well, I guess the other end of that argument is, okay, if it's a good vaccine, how come you have to give it every two months? I mean, the, right. the herpes virus is an interesting bug, and one of the reasons that it's so hard to treat is something called latency. And what it does is it hides in the, in the, in the spinal cord. And so that's, that's why older people, if they've ever had chicken pox when they were a child, they can expect an outbreak of shingles later in life because that virus stays in the spinal cord forever. It never goes away. And so our understanding about, about EHV infections in general is, is complicated because of this latency. And it, it, could, it can stay in there for the entire horse's life. In fact, they may well be exposed in utero before birth, and that, and that virus just stays there. Now, stress or some other disease or whatever will actually cause that, that, uh, that virus to, to come out of the spinal cord and, and, and start causing its problems, whether it's abortion or the neurologic form. Uh, but because there's something called a blood-brain barrier that most antibiotics and antivirals and vaccines cannot penetrate, so those viruses live in that spinal cord where they're basically immune to any kind of treatment or prevention with the vaccine, which makes it unique among other viruses where we have a great vaccine against West Nile virus or rabies. You know, rabies lives in the spinal cord too. So why is it that a, that a vaccine works against that and not against uh, EHM? I don't think any of us understand that yet. Is it is it maybe because there are, are there are a lot of different strains that they can't seem to get? Like, like when, when we have a flu shot, you can only give so many strains of the flu in one vaccine. Is it because herpes has morphed so much to different strains? Well, it, it appears that's a very good question. But it appears that there's not a lot of difference between the strain that causes the respiratory infection uh, with that that causes the abortion, which that, that causes the, the neurologic problem. There's, it, it appears to be just where that virus winds up. And it can travel around to the different systems of the body inside the white blood cells. It's, it's, a, it's a very complicated and, and fascinating process uh, that yeah. we're just now beginning to understand. So we, and that's, that's one of the challenges with testing. You know, you basically got two, two ways of testing these things. Okay, you're, you're actually looking for the virus particles. And that test is called PCR, or prelim, polymerase chain reaction test. Uh, so we do that with nasal swabs and with blood, and then we can test for antibodies. Now, the challenge with that is now that's antibodies, not antibiotics. And so an antibody is the, is the product, the protein product that, that the system makes mm -hmm. to stimulate the immune response. And so you get a vaccine for West Nile virus, and so the body will make antibodies. Uh, so you can test a horse for West Nile virus, and it can come back positive either because the horse has been vaccinated or because the horse has been exposed to the disease but not affected by it clinically, or that the horse actually has the disease. Yeah, and so an helpful. antibody test is, is yeah, it's, it's uh, well, the, the, the textbook way of doing this is that you pull blood today, and then you pull blood two weeks from today, and then you run, you run antibody tires on them. And so if you get a fourfold increase in the antibody from today as opposed to two weeks ago, then that is a presumptive diagnosis of the disease. And the challenge with that is, 
Uh, or either dead or better by the end of the two. Years. So it's kind of a, <laughs> God, you probably kind of either a have a point, you have a good you, know? you have a good idea at the end of two weeks, one way or the other. <laughs> like... Well, precisely, and so that's that's where the the PCR comes in. Now, the PCR has allowed us to test for minute quantities of virus particles in nasal secretions. But again, is this is because of the latency problem that we deal with with the HV infections in general? Uh, is that just a, we call it a field strain? Is that something he just picked up and it's not clinical and he's not contagious? Uh, sometimes if, if we wait too long before we do the nasal secretion swabs, that virus has already been cleared from the body and the horse is on his way to becoming very, very ill. So you can get a negative PCR and, and a negative antibody test if you, if you test at just the wrong time because the virus has been cleared from his nasal secretions, yet his body hasn't had time enough to make the antibodies. And so, you know, all of these tests are just, it's not like it's, I love those crime shows, you know what I mean, where they send the test into the lab and then they come back and they've got all these answers. Well, In about it, three minutes. It's not. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, you, they, can, they can solve a major crime in 30 minutes less commercial time. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it gets to be, we've got to use a little common sensor and that kind of spills us over into prevention if you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And and that was my next question too. So what I was saying right before you came on was that my broodmare is pregnant. We're pregnant. So does she not need the rhino shots at five, seven, and nine? Well, there's, there's no clinical or research evidence at this point to suggest that that does them any good. So okay. I, I, I there are a, a, a few organizations out there that are just adamant about the vaccine for prevention of the EHM. Uh, and, and if, if it's required to have a, uh, if it's required to, uh, to get into a certain show, well then I'll do that. I don't think you're going to hurt the horse with it, but I think we're going to lull ourselves in a sense of false security, thinking we can load them up on a bunch of vaccines and then we're protected because we're just not. We're just not. Right. Right. Okay, cool. Well, um, so prevention. How can we make sure our horse doesn't ever get this? Well, we just got to use some common sense, okay? And and so the American Association of Equine Practitioners has, has some guidelines about, out about this. And you can log on to their website, AAEP.org, and and get a lot of unbelievably confusing information. So what I'm going to do is just try to distill it down. We, we got we to just use some common sense here. And so the recommendations are three-week quarantine for new horses. And so if you have a public boarding facility, then you need to have some, some place to put these horses, these new horses, for three weeks. You need to uh, disinfect all your trailers with dilute Clorox. Uh, you need to, to wear a, a protective uh, plastic coverings of your boots. Uh, wash all of your uh, your manure forks and stall cleaning apparatus and brushes and tack and halters and and work on new horses last during the course of the day for stable hands. Uh, all of this, you know, it sounds like a real good way of, of instituting some biosecurity, but in reality, every time you every time a horse leaves the premises to go to an event someplace, you got to start to quarantine over again. And I, I think I think that these are all good things on paper, and they make a lot of sense. But when you really think about it, it's not real easy to do. You only you you can be within a hundred feet of an active case of EHM, and you have exposure potential. Mm-hmm. So, in a lot of these public boarding facilities, there may be ten horses within a hundred feet of this horse. 
So let's just use some common sense, okay? Don't ship sick horses. If you've got a if you've got a horse that you think is ill, take his temperature. Uh, anything over 102, you need some veterinary attention right away. And the scary part about any of these neurologic diseases is you can't look at one horse and say he's got EHM. Okay, it it could be uh, protozoal myelitis. It could be uh, it could be herpes. You know, one of the herpes viruses. It could be rabies. It could be you know, wobbler syndrome. I mean, the neurologic diseases are going to demonstrate themselves in very similar ways. And there's no way without doing some some fairly sophisticated testing that you can determine West Nile from EHM. So just wow. it's amazing what you can learn just by looking at the horse and taking his temperature. Isn't that you know, the if, truth? If just look at it's, the horse. It's amazing. If, if he's eating okay and he's running a normal temp, then you're probably going to be fine. But, but temps on all horses over 102, that, that warrants veterinary intervention. truly does. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Siemens, thank you so much. You're always so pleasure, uh, pl- such a pleasure to talk to. And we appreciate you coming on and I uh, hope you come on again soon. And, and you know what, if your wife has some questions about how to handle somebody who uh, wants the, the, you her to pay her bill, have her call me. I know a good okay, lawyer. Yeah. Hey, can I plug my book? Absolutely. Hey, listen, I'm just, we just got the second edition in print, and it's available now through my uh, through my website, cornerstoneequine.com. There's one E between cornerstone and equine.com. It's called Never Trust a Sneaky Pony and Other Things They Did Not Teach Me in Vet School. And uh, <laughs> if you enjoyed our little interview this morning, I think you'll enjoy so, uh, this. It took 20 years to write, and I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's a good read. My wife loves it. So this, is, uh, this was out of print, I think. This, so this is your second printing now? It's this back is in. Sec- this is the second printing, and so uh, yeah, with, it's it's available now uh, through the through the website cornerstoneequine.com. Just one e between cornerstone and equine. Yay! Terrific. Well, and and it's called "Never Trust a Sneaky Pony" and other things they didn't teach me in vet school. That sounds like a really good read. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. And and uh, cornerstone equine is where they can find you as a veterinarian as well. Absolutely beautiful downtown Wilder, Idaho. Wilder, <laughs> Wilder, Idaho, which I'd have to look up in a map, Dr. Yeah. Siemens. I think it's going to be. Oh, it's it's really big. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a bunch. New York, San Francisco, Wilder. I mean, come on. Where have you guys been? <laughs> I'm going to tell you that, just so you guys know, I just went to the Cornerstone Equine, and Dr. Siemens looks exactly like what you think he would look like, just so you know. <laughs> sort, of like a, sort of like a young Robert Redford is what you're saying. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Just tiny bit of hesitation there, Jamie. You kind of blew that, uh, with, that <laughs> with that tiny bit of hesitation. Oh, my God, doctor. I just went there, too. You look like the first vet that I ever had when I started dating my wife 30 years ago. I probably... I probably was the first vet you ever had. I'm about 100 years old. <laughs> there's there's rocks in the parking lot ain't as old as I am. <laughs> oh, Dr. Stephen, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you again real soon. Hey, looking forward to it. Thanks again. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, it probably was that vet, Glenn. Jeez. <laughs>
He needs his own show. My God. Oh, he does. He's so funny. Oh, my gosh. I get so tickled. And you can understand what he's saying, too. And he's not, he doesn't hold back. He's pretty opinionated. So I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I just found out I get to save a couple hundred bucks on uh, vaccines. So that's Uh, good. I would consult, by the way, anything we do here medically, we strongly uh, encourage you to listen to your own veterinarian. So, oh, yeah. So consult oh, yeah, and listen to your sure. own veterinarian. Good uh, point, guys. So there's Good a disclaimer point. I'm going to throw in there because we all have our own opinions about everything. Uh, some more than others. <clears throat> Jamie. Um, so, <laughs> so, so, so horselovers.com, you know, I just went there. I was looking around. And if you're a Devonair fan, then you need to go to Horse Lovers right now because they have a sale up to 70% off. The show coats are marked down from 130 to 84 the breeches, some of them are, are down to $49 to $32. Uh, here's a bunch of them at $32. They're cotton riding tights, the ones that you buy for your kids all the time, $29. Bucks. Uh, so, yes, they have a show shirts and stock ties, all kinds of things, including uh, men's uh, breeches as well. The men's breeches, what size is left? Because they have them at $20. Anytime oh. anything says overstock sale, 70% off, I'll click on it. Yeah, I bet. I bet. That's a horse person thing, too. That's a human thing, right? Though, Don't we all do that? They're also it's... signing people up right now, and I wanted to mention this because it's also one of our sponsors. There, you can sign up right now to begin a test ride program that's starting with bait salary. Uh, and the new Advanta, which we haven't even talked about, Advanta Eventing Saddle that's coming out. It's a brand new saddle that they're bringing out, and they're going to be doing a test ride program on it starting May the 1st. So you can sign up right there on horselovers.com to take a look at it. This saddle has been tested for, I think, three or four years by by event riders, and it's supposed to be very revolutionary and uh, has the event world talking a bit. So I'm in. <clears throat> yeah, I figured you would be. So if you go to horselovers.com, you can sign up right there to reserve your spot to test ride the new Advanta eventing saddle from Bates, one of our sponsors over on the... Advantage. Is it Advantage? Um, advantage. It's Advanta. It's the Advanta uh, eventing saddle, and Bates, of course, is one of our sponsors over on the WEG show. So if you want to find everything that you need right now, go to horselovers.com. That's horselovers with a Z, dot com. Well, it, lo- it looks like Jemmy's having trouble right now reaching Jessica, who's driving home from Florida to, or from, I think she was in the Carolinas, to Canada, and she might just be in a dead spot. So wh- why don't we do this? Why don't we do our song? And if we get back and we haven't gotten Jessica on the line, then why don't we do, I have I have the latest version of Study Show, and I can put you and guys have, to the test. Yeah, that sounds good. I have a couple things I could go over as well, because... Um, I've got a horse for sale, so I need to plug my horse for sale and tell everybody about this oh, majestic right. creature that I have up online. That's right. And f- for some reason, a baby chick that you have is causing quite a stir, too, on Facebook. <laughs> I don't know why, but it is. All right. Let's listen to a little Jared with Above the Timberline. The city offers you convenience And this old mountain offers you no lenience But it's the life I choose to lead 
of mine's what I receive I make my home above the timberline In my saddlebags Who knows what you'll find On my trusty steed I've got everything I need Up here on the great divide I went to college Searching for my way Textbooks for rodeo Seemed a pretty even trade Well I guess fate can handle Each and every day Wouldn't have it any other way Now I make my home Above the timberline In my saddlebags Who knows what you'll find On my trusty steed I've got everything I need Up here on the great divide There's bighorn sheep Look, there's an eagle flying down there We got fish to eat And up here there ain't no bears It's the place that I reside Up above the timberline in charge of every day hey wouldn't have it any other way Jared Rogerson above the timberline you can find all of his music at jaredrogerson.com I did want to mention that uh, I had a couple of uh, listeners Facebook me and say, what's going to happen with you out? So this is what's going to happen. And, I, you know, I always hated radio shows, and I know, Jamie, you were in radio for a long time, but I always hated radio shows that wouldn't tell you when they're going to be out, and then all of a sudden they're just out. Uh, it drove me insane. Or so. fired. Or fired. They don't, they don't <laughs> so tell you that somebody's going to be fired. Well, and, then, and, and on that the note, just not there. <laughs> on that note, we've had a lot of people asking. So there's two things here. We've had a lot of e- people asking about around the track, which was the show that Ray uh, from the Pollock Report did, or from Scott from the Pollock Report did rather. And uh, Scott has been so busy this year that he has put that show on hold. And I know that's going to depress a lot of you because it's very popular, but that show took a lot of time to do and they just got so busy with other things he also does tv programs over there and everything else uh, at the pollock report and the pollock report's kind of like a big deal in the racing world and he's the editor so he just had to back off on something so i'm not saying it won't be back but it will not probably be here this year so for those of you looking for the latest update there and i know you're disappointed i'm disappointed i love that show too so that's what's happening there. Jamie will be back uh, tomorrow. We have uh, tomorrow. We have we're dark tomorrow actually, so there'll be no mm. show tomorrow. And then Jamie will be back with Lisa on Friday. And then next week we'll have best of episodes. Uh, 
Jemmy's putting those together now. So we'll have best of episodes for you uh, next week. Uh, I've been advised to take the week off because of my Lyme. They're afraid that's going to act up. So uh, I'm supposed to reduce stress next week. And dealing with Jamie apparently is stressful. So Dr. <laughs> Dr. Wendy especially said, oh, you can't deal with Jamie next week. It's the most stressful thing you do. I'm just kidding. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty It's tough. the highlight of my day. Yeah. So uh, so that's what's going on, and then we'll be back the following week. So coming up, Sally's going to be here in a couple minutes from Heels Down, and because we won't be here next week, we're going to have a little we're going to have a little Land Rover talk and uh, some memories and some things. We're going to just chat about Land Rover a little bit because we won't be able to do that next week. But first, you have a pony for sale. Did you finally sell that thing? No, I haven't. I haven't put her online for sale yet. Okay, she is Precious Magic Gallop Jennings, and she. Cause she can go not just to anybody, but I do have like, I, I'm trying to figure out what to write for an ad for her because the problem is I read so many really bad ads that for some reason, trying to write an ad, just like I'm, I, I want to call going her into a bad cult. ad mode. <laughs> yeah. Like I want to call her a Philly cold that, you know, done been ridden, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what happens to my brain. It just goes that way. So so far, I, I, I posted in the Horse Radio Network Auditor's Facebook page some pictures and video, and I said, okay, help help me write an ad, you guys. And um, most people have been very helpful. There's been a few sarcastic jerks. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. You know who you are. <laughs> you know who you are. So what I do have is, um, I don't, I don't know. Somebody, one of the auditors did say that, it has to be written in the sale contract that she has to continue to be called Precious Magic Gallop, but they can change the last, <laughs> last name. <laughs> no, it has to be Precious Mal- Magic Gallop Jennings Dash Smith. Oh, like she got married yes. and she's a, a yes. single independent woman who doesn't yes. want to give up her last name. Because, you know, a, a horse with four names needs a fifth. I think you're absolutely right. It needs to be hyphenated. Yeah, I agree. Right. So it'd totally. be like Precious Magic Gallup Jennings Hebert. That's right. Like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds that sounds about fair. So I, I she's four years old. She's 13-3. Uh, she's been under saddle for now nine months, ridden by adults and kids, beginner to advanced. She is a solid trail pony. I can take her on the road. Kids ride her. We ride alongside the road in my neighborhood. We've got roads, but then there's like a little area on the side of the road on every road for a horse to walk by. So the trucks go by, nothing spooks her. Dogs come up to the fence, other horses, sheep, goats, trucks, people, trailers, whatever. Nothing bothers her. She is green broke to drive. I have tried to find somebody to drive her every day. I'm like, I'll pay somebody to just hook her up and drive her every day. But apparently it's show season for my my driving. I wish I lived closer. That'd be fun. Oh, my gosh. I'll send her and the cart to you. Uh, (laughs) Is she child friendly? Because Jemmy has a five-year-old that's never ridden before. And Jemmy's never had a force before. Seems like a perfect match. I think that this is Oh, my gosh. I just got really excited. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I have a four-year-old and I wouldn't give my four-year-old this pony. So maybe Jimmy will talk. Um, uh, <laughs> we're going to, for a five-year-old or a four-year-old, you need a chili who's like, can hardly walk because he's so crippled kind of thing. Yeah. That's the perfect horse. Yes. <laughs> perfect first horse. <laughs> perfect first horse. No bolting um, there. No bolting. Re- yeah. Remember, or bucking. magic. 
yeah, Magic has been to California and back twice. She has trained at Monty Roberts' facility. She has done, you know, all, she got all of her well, start. Well, you know there, what? And then in our me. loose interpretation of ads, you could put Monty Roberts trained. She's pretty much been trained by Monty Roberts uh, himself. I would That's put that. I, I would put that for sure. Did he even see her when I was out there? I don't know. Maybe I should. <laughs> <laughs> like, you were trained. at his farm. You were doing Monty Roberts training. So I think you could say Monty Roberts trained. Pretty much. I could say Monty Roberts trained her and loves her. I have a legal and- background. Sounds good to me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> she has been to jumper shows. Hello. She went to one jumper show and did two crossroad classes and didn't knock down anything or refuse. So I, there's that. She ties. She loads. She leads perfect because she's, you know, Monty Roberts trained. We're still <laughs> working on the clipping. We started that yesterday. Um, How'd that it, go? Uh, as with everything with this pony, it is a big no immediately. <laughs> The first thing she says is no. She doesn't even know what it is. She says no. But then if you just train her, she's totally fine with it. I mean, every single thing that I've taught her within moments, she's like, oh, okay. So what we did with her, um, and it's worked great. By the time I was done yesterday, the batteries ran out, and so I was done. Um, but you take the electric toothbrush on a stick. Yeah. And I duct taped an That's electric right. toothbrush. Because, oh my God, I couldn't get, I, I just walked up to her with the clippers. Like, let's see what the baseline is here. And it was like, hell to the no, peace <laughs> out. Ping. And so by the end, I had the electric toothbrush and clippers. And then I started with the clippers on and off, on and off. And I got to touch her with it, but I wasn't unable Usually to they, once they, once you get to just do it for a minute, they just settle in. It feels good. Uh, yeah. But boy, you got to yeah. get to that minute. Well, she she doesn't really need to be clipped, uh, and I don't really do muzzles or anything, so I just want her to accept, you know, so I can sell her with that. Uh, uh, horses that don't clip either get drugged or twitched, mm-hmm. you know, later on in life. So I just wanted every, I want everything to be done with her, like the leading, the loading, the tying, the clipping, like all that normal stuff I want done. Um, so she, I, she, I do, I will sell the cart and harness with her too, so come on now. Somebody's got to take her. And and so I put a price on her and then I went on Craigslist to see what other ponies are going for. And like completely unbroke wild ponies are like double the price. So we're going to have to re- reconsider her baseline <laughs> price because she has a lot of training. But she's still, you know, unbalanced at the canter. And I, I wouldn't put a uber beginner. You know, I have an uber beginner on her, but her mama signed a waiver. So <laughs> <laughs> there's that. <laughs> In a very controlled environment. Yeah, in an arena. Yeah. If you tell her what to do, she'll do it. You know, that's the thing. Is like Uber beginners don't always know how to tell the horse what to do. So Magic just goes, "Okay, I'll trot back to the gate and stop." You know, like that. She's she, she's way more woe than go. She would prefer to just stand still, and she's very good at standing still. So there you go. Somebody made me an offer. Give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> and I I uh, Chad, Chad understand like, that if <laughs> just. Just Chad was real quick, like he was like, you know, if you could just sell her without sending any pictures of her, because he's like, <laughs> she's just not the prettiest. Oh, <laughs> and, and uh, I understand that a couple of the auditors are going to be sending in their own version of the really bad ads for really bad ads on Friday. I for would your imagine. Pony. Yeah. I would imagine. I think. Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. You can send us too. Yeah. Write an ad for Precious Magic Gallup <clears throat> Jennings. <clears throat> <laughs> you know enough about her. We've been hearing about her for a year. So, yeah, 
it has been a year officially since I started her. I didn't get her home a year ago now. I think that's next week. But yeah, she's been worked with for a year now. Money Roberts trained. Where are you going to find one of those in Arizona, Phoenix? I know. Nowhere. It's impossible. Impossible. And she might grow to be 13, three and a eighth uh, eventually. She's only four years old. She's already grown an inch since she's been here in the last year. She might hit 14 hands. She might hit 14 hands. You never know. Yeah. It could happen. (laughs) For that pony card, she's going to be doing all those shows, you know. Hey, look at those Mongol pony. ponies. They got those big men riding those Mongol ponies. And they're no bigger than that. I'm telling you, I've had a big girl riding her. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I To the point where I was at a horse show and somebody said, aren't you a little big for her? <laughs> you're 5'2". I mean, you're jockey size. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've had Abby ride her and Abby's like 5'10". She's just 90 <laughs> she pounds. Just so runs her feet along the ground like Flintstones. <laughs> it is pretty funny. She weighs less than me. So it's fun. <laughs> All right. So uh, what about this baby chick? I saw the cutest video ever on your Facebook page yesterday. Oh, my gosh. I have a little baby chick. The, the orphan baby chick. Her name is Poppy. And uh, she was named by my students. And I did think, like, Poppy? Why would you name her Poppy? That's a boy name. But they named her after the the, the pink troll in the movie Trolls was named Poppy, the little girl. So there's hope that it could still be a girl so this remember the ginormous monster terrible rooster that i had um that we set free in the desert uh he apparently made some magic happen with one of my hens and the hen started laying on the egg so i was like "Eh, it's one of those things like i didn't want to just pull her off of the because there could be a baby in there so turns out there was a baby in there and so the baby is born and the mama is very aggressively protecting it. And um, this is not one, this is not one of my better stories as far as like my happy vegan vegetarian life. Okay. So this, this mama is protecting this baby and she, she has been raising the baby outside of the, like behind my hay pile. I have like this little hay roof area with the bale stacked under it. And she's behind the hay in between the hay and the wall. And it's like a nice little hay bed in there. And they they always lay eggs back there. So mama is pretty ferocious. Let me just say you can't, I think no other chickens can get near this baby. This baby is all that it has in the world. And this is a chicken, uh, a kind of a more aggressive hen. Anyway, she's kind of pecked at me before and she's pecked at kids. And so she's already pretty nasty. But I'm like, live and let live. You can be here. Just don't attack anybody. Well, she's got a baby now. And at one point, I was walking by Thor's stall. And I guess the baby was in Thor's stall. And she was stuck on the other side. And I walked by Thor's stall. And this mama chick leapt up and tried to gouge my eyes out (laughs) with her claws. And I was like, what the heck? Like, oh my God. You know, like I had to swat her away. And I'm like, I just was walking by. Well, that was the first incident. Then there was a second and a third and a fourth. And then I I go to throw some hay and I walk up to get some hay. And she comes from around the hay and jumps up and tries to attack me. And I I fall over backwards because my feet slide. You know, uh, the hay is slippery on the, the pallets. And I slip backwards, crack my back, falling over. What does this chicken do? Jumps on my head and tries to start pecking me. 
And so I was in the hay pile then. Well, of course, I'm like, I, I, I run. Yeah. <laughs> I'm running away from the hay pile. Then the next day I go out, I can't even get to the hay before she's like, like comes around the corner, like, come on. I see you. So at that point, when Did I you have your pick, first chicken soup ever, <laughs> I can't even pick up the hay. So I, <laughs> and this had been a threatening issue for a while. Like this has been going on. Like Chad was like, I'm not going to let this chick attack my son or attack children or attack people or my wife. I'm not going to let it happen. Uh, and he, I was like, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. I walked after that, after I can't even get hay, I walked in the house and I go, Hey babe, she's all yours. He's uh, like, Okay. Out to the desert, another chicken wandering with the roosters in the desert. No, we didn't even get that far. He's like, <laughs> he says, I learned how to do this in survival training. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. He dispatched of the mean, aggressive chicken. And I felt so bad. And, and somebody pointed out, like, you know, like they kill like a billion chickens a day. Yes. I was like, I don't kill the million chickens. I had chickens chickens la- a chicken last chickens. night, actually. So. <laughs> so it's been really hard for me to like swallow, but baby chicken had already attached to its mama, and now its mama is no more because no, it has a new mama. A... I saw that video yesterday. It has a new mama. <laughs> it does not care who it is. It is oh, really? it, it, it sees anybody. It's like it will chase you and run after you, and it's all it wants to do is sit on your shoulder. Oh my! God, I came in. I'm typing emails. It jumps down on the computer. It, this poppy, the orphan baby chick, follows. And he follows me everywhere. Comes in the house, leaves the house, jumps up on my lap, comes outside. I mean, it's like a constant. It's like having a newborn again. I'm like, don't step on the chick. Don't, hey, you guys, freeze. Don't move. There's a baby chick on your feet. You know, <laughs> it's really exhausting to try to keep up with her. But she's really sweet and really cute. And Chad's like, she's really cute now. Exactly. What happens when she's a full-grown chicken and she's jumping in our home, coming in? Because like, she'll follow me in the door. I'll leave the door up and she well, walks in the house. Let's hope she didn't get uh, Mama's personality. Let's hope that she didn't get Daddy's wiener. Because <laughs> <laughs> how am I going to deal with that? Like, it's, oh, but it's like my little baby I raise, and she's like attached it's to me. It's kind of hard to tell at that age, imprinted. isn't it? You can, you can apparently you can only tell on. The first day they're born and only like a professional chicken sexer can tell. I can't tell. So I'm kind of either she's either going to crow or lay an egg. That's how it's going to (laughs) work. That's funny. Well, uh, good luck with that. And, you know, and we had chickens, too. And always we had one chicken that was overly aggressive. It seems like in every flock of chickens, there's one. Yeah. And you get rid of that one, and it seems like somebody else takes over. It's like there has to be an alpha, either hen or rooster. We, the roosters are the nastiest. We we had some nasty roosters over the years. And they I've just never had anything attack like you. Oh, they would just yeah. attack you when you walked in the. Now these we lived out in the country, and we had a we had a chicken house, and we had it all fenced in and everything. But the foxes were relentless, and the coyotes were relentless. So these chickens pretty much lived scared for their lives every waking moment. So I can see why they were a little aggressive. <laughs> they were just well, this, this this hen that we had to dispatch of, she actually I rescued her. I saw her in a pet store on a top shelf in a cage so small that she and she was a full grown hen in a cage so small she couldn't stand up. And I was like uh, give me that chicken up there. That's terrible. It gets stuck in this tiny little cage and it crammed in there. And so I paid a good $10 for that hen. 
and um, and uh, Chad's like, you pay. And then I'm like, no wonder she's angry. She was jammed in this little cage, and they had to get her out. It was really like a total s show trying to get her out when I bought her. And I have had her for like two years, but it's just it was it was not meant to be. She was she was not meant to be. No, nope, nope. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. No, nope. you don't need her attacking the child or. Or attacking something else. <laughs> so when I call my sweet little baby orphan baby chick, she's an orphan because I murdered her mother. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, you didn't. I didn't. No. I, ha- I made the call. <laughs> I You're, an the You're an accessory. You're an accessory. Yes, I, I planned it. I paid for it. Jimmy, can she be held liable for that in court? Uh, the P- court of PETA? Is she going to be held liable as an accessory? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm toast. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sure. All right, let's uh, let's see if we can get Sally from Heels Down Magazine on. Uh, we're going to add her on Skype here. Don't hate me, everybody. Hey, you have farms. Things happen. That's what happens on a farm. <laughs> no, but I've been really good. Things have not happened. And now they've happened. <laughs> <laughs> You're now a grown a farmer adult. I've murdered chickens. Okay, <laughs> get this person. Let's stop talking about chickens. Little Poppy needs me. I'm going to go get her. She doesn't stop peeping, though. Yeah, they do That's peep why. a lot, little, little peepees. That's why they're called peepees. Um, trying to get Sally on here so we can see. Uh, Sally is, of course, from Heels Down Magazine. She filled in for you last week, did a terrific job on Wednesday. Yes, I know. I heard. That's the problem is when you... In radio, when somebody fills in for you, you need to make sure they're not as good as you because usually you just get fired and they get hired. Uh, there was so, one of the listeners that actually told me that, you know, if Jamie ever quits, she'd be a good replacement. So there you go. Uh, well, at least she didn't say fire Jamie. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. <laughs> and hire Sally. That's good. Of course, we, we'll see if we can actually get Sally on here. Uh, Are we having trouble getting guests today? Uh, this day, By the way, yeah, we were supposed to have Jessica Phoenix and she's traveling and we never did get her. So uh, we'll try here again. It's those Olympians. Yeah, those Olympians are too good for us Jessica. (gasps) She's been coming on our shows for 10 years. Hey, did you see Gina Miles is back in active competing again? Well, she's been active. It just... No, it's upper levels now. She's got a horse. Yeah. That's awesome. So we're going to start to see her around. Gina had the reputation of being one of the first guests on almost all our shows (laughs) for a while. It's not a reputation. That's like a real thing. It wasn't like a real thing. That's right. (laughs) She was our first guest. Sally, are you there? I'm here. How Hi. are you guys? Good. How are you? Good. Sally, so, I heard you did such a good job replacing me that um, I, they've called for my firing and you've been hired. Oh, well, cool. Is it like millions of dollars? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm not super interested otherwise. <laughs> okay. Then my job is secure. Yeah, you're okay, safe, cool. Jamie. <laughs> You're more than I safe. mean, I'm just kidding. But Jamie, seriously, it was an honor. And I'm just glad that everybody was appeased in your absence. That's the least I could do. Well, <laughs> that's sweet. Glenn is going on vacation. And I would, I've asked him to hire you and book you as my co-host this time. You get yes. to be my Oh, my co-host. God. That would be so fun. Can we please do that? Yeah, I will get up so problem. early. Well, wait a minute. Let you. me think about this for a minute. It, it's <laughs> going to be Sally... Jamie and Jemmy's going to be producing. That's oh all kinds gosh. of problems I see. 
And I'm going to have her on. Her. No, no, no. We'll have her on Friday. <laughs> we'll have her on Friday, and she can do really bad ads with me. Oh yeah. Oh, that sounds so fun. I don't know what that is, but that sounds fun. <laughs> Oh my God, start listening to our show, woman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but here's the thing is that you have to remember that I live in California and I only get up as early as I can. I mean, it's, it's a you podcast. Know, you can listen it, it, any continuing time. Okay, my excuse, my excuse. All right, I'll just stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> start listening to Friday shows. Get brush up on what really bad okay, ads is. I'll it's do the last homework. half hour of the show. Yeah, you'll like it. It's It's right up your alley, Sally. All right. Uh, um, so now Sally also does a show I recorded last night. You're I, this is the first time I got to record you on Heels Down Happy Hour. You you came in as Caroline's replacement, and yeah. uh, you're really good on that show too. You got this girl. Oh, you guys are so nice. You're gonna like give me a big ego and stuff. I don't think <laughs> I need that. <laughs> well, I did that as kind of a transition too, because uh, heels down happy hour. Because my surgery tomorrow, we're not going to Rolex this year to Land Rover this year, formerly the, the Rolex. So it's going to be the first year in many that we won't be there, and you guys have to take over. I mean, we you, do, yeah, big shoes to fill. You're going to represent, but you guys are going to record an episode there. We are recording an episode, so we have the Heels Down Happy Hour um, podcast. Which, if that gives you any indication, it's uh, we like to drink, which is fun. So we decided that we were going to go to Kentucky, and since all three of us, so Jess Payne, who is Doug Payne's wife, and also a four-star event writer, and then we have Justine Griffin, who's our editor. She's a hunter writer. So this is her first trip to Eventer Mecca. She's going to be so far in that I'm just like, I messaged her yesterday, and I was like, okay, you need to pack for every single weather, just just prepare for it to rain and possibly freeze it's probably not going to be super pleasant so we have all these big plans i'm super excited because we don't really ever get to be in the same place at the same time um so we are doing a i was shocked when she said this was her first time but then i forgot she was a hunter rider she's not an inventor right like i people say that to me and i'm like what really Um, but then, you know, like not ever, I, this is, I think this is, this will be my 15th Rolex or something crazy, which I don't, I didn't even realize that I'd been going for that long. Um, I, did I just say Rolex Land Rover? I'm so sorry, Land Rover, Land Rover. So, and so we, uh, we'll be doing a live podcast taping on Friday after the dressage, probably around four 30 or so in the indoor trade fair. So we don't have the exact location yet. Um, we do have a Facebook group, which is the heels down happy hour podcast lounge. And that is where you can find a lot of the updates on what we'll be doing, but we have some exciting guests. We have some prizes to give away. We have some fun drinks to share with you. If you're of age, (laughs) I got, I feel like I got to put that in there and then, um, yeah, it should be a good time. Super excited. Now, If you need a producer, I could send Jemmy up, uh, to Kentucky. I mean, yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> Are you sure you want to do that? Because you're the one that's like talking about problems and stuff, Glenn. So I feel like you're you're a little uncomfortable here. So if you're going to volunteer this, then, then it great. could easily get out of control. Yeah. <laughs> and their drink of choice uh, last night uh, on the show was Amaretta Sours, which is one of my favorites. And I was really upset I didn't have one while I was recording it. It's, it's one of my favorite drinks. Yeah, I, mean, you got, I guess if you're in charge of recording and doing like the technical stuff, maybe you should not be inhibited in any way 
Oh no, Maybe this doesn't take right, a whole lot of fun anymore. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so Sally, tell us. Tell, uh, let's all we have. We won't have a chance because we're off next week. We won't have a chance to talk about Ro- uh, Land Rover, formerly known as Rolex. Yeah, it's Kentucky. Cool. We don't have a chance to talk about it. So let's let's all talk about it a little bit. Jamie, do you remember your first time? At, La- at, at Rolex? Yes. I mean, it was Rolex back then. <laughs> yes. I went to Rolex uh, with, actually, I think it was still called Kentucky almost. Uh, and It was gosh, just the World like Championships or Championships or something back then. It was yeah, before, they used to yeah. have intermediate when I went, okay? That's crazy. <laughs> the, it was, yeah, I was probably eight or nine years old. And the boarding stable that I boarded at, Little Creek Farm in Atlanta, Decatur, Georgia, had a poster up and they were like, Hey, the whole barn's going to go up to, you know, but I was the only kid at the barn. So my dad and I went up and, and went and it was a good, Oh my gosh. And Bruce Davidson won with, I think Dr. Peaches maybe. Um, and it was awesome. So yeah, that's, that's the first time I went. Did I predate any of you? Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, you probably predated okay. me too, and we've been going for probably fifteen years. We used to, uh, we used to go when we when I worked with Bit of Britain. Of course, everybody had to go help with the Bit of Britain booth because it's the size of you know Oklahoma, um, and and we all had to help with that. But we would go before that too. What about favorite memories? I think one of mine is still Teddy O'Connor. I think that's still one of my favorite memories of being at Rolex. I mean, I, Teddy, I, I think, I don't feel like I remember Teddy. So that might've been a year that I didn't go because that was when I was kind of in college. So I might not have been able to get up there, but my first one was in, I think it was like 2002. I'm looking at the FEI database right now because this is how much of a nerd I am because I wanted to see. So Gina Miles is a Olympian, an Olympian. She's been riding for the United States for many years. And she used to have this horse named McKinley. Yeah. And he was this gorgeous liver chestnut. I don't know if he was self français or Irish or what he was, but um I just remember going to Kentucky for the very first time and I remember seeing that horse and I remember seeing Buck Davidson and I don't remember what horse it was, but it was a gray horse. And those were like the two moments that really stand out. And I remember watching the steeplechase because it was one of the last years that it was long format and Karen O'Connor was on the steeplechase and I was just like blown away that this was a thing. And then I went back a couple of years later and it was no longer a, a long format. So, you know, be that as it may. Um, but that's kind of my first memory. And I, I've always, I got to interview Gina a few years later or many, many years later. And I was like totally fangirling. I was so embarrassed because I was just, this is kind of a common theme. If you can't tell it's embarrassing stories, but I was just like, Gina, let's just get this out of the way right now. I'm obsessed with you. And you kind of gave me the eventing bug and now here we are. And she was like, Oh, haha, that's nice. So, but it's, it was cool. Dude, I get it. Okay. So I get really crazy around Gina too, because I just, <laughs> I think she's like the coolest person. She is. And she's I, so nice. I went to a horse trial, Copper Meadows, with uh-huh. my off the track thoroughbred and we we're just doing beginner novice and Gina miles was in my freaking division. Okay? Oh my gosh. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm competing against Gina miles. Like, <laughs> ah! like I couldn't even focus and warm up. Cause I was like staring at her like a weird hungry wolf. <laughs> it's, yeah. I totally yeah. get that feeling. It's very strange to be in the warm up with all these people. Cause I was at copper for a little bit and it was really strange to be riding around with like Holly Bennett and Tammy Smith and all these people that you look up to and you're like, wow. But I felt like I got better by osmosis or at least I felt like I did. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you didn't. You're so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. It's all good. Now here we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I looked up the year that I, the first year I went was 1988. Oh my God, I'm old. 
Dr. Peach's Bruce Davison. There wow. we go. And I remember the the memory that I have is I, in 1988, was young. I was 11 years old. And I remember going, they can't possibly be riding the same horse in every <laughs> in one of all these. of these. Yeah. I just knew I, that there was different horses, right? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Same one. Yeah. Amazing. <clears throat> yeah. I don't think I really knew what eventing really was until I went. Because I don't know how I got to go on that trip. Cause I don't really think I knew exactly what it was, but it sounded cool. So yeah, the eventing was so not my thing. I was not a brave kid. So it was very surprising that I ended up doing it. <laughs> it's very Girl, strange. I was though. a hunter. I get it. I did hunters forever. I did too. And that's I was all still scared of those yeah. jumps. That's well, yeah, that's all you have. I mean, that's what the kids grew up doing these or in this country, at least, you know, yeah, exactly. So now, yeah. wow, that's cool. So, Yay. so how, what is the year that cost you the most? What is the most you've spent shopping? Because let's face it, there's the competition, then there's the shopping. Um, and, and actually, they actually have pretty good food there too, which is a very unusual for an event of any kind. Uh, but so what is the most costly year you've had? I mean, I spend most of my money on food, so every year is really expensive. <laughs> it's, really? It's, it's expensive food. Let's see, I'm trying to think. What was the year I bought the saddle, Glenn? When oh, was the yeah, we were together, saddle. weren't we? Anybody's done yeah. a saddle, that's, that's going to win, because I haven't bought a saddle there before. Yeah, I did. And, and it was, um, I bought the Southern Stars eventing saddle. I still oh, use it as right. my cross-country saddle. It's amazing. It's and it's a really Clayton Fred. Yeah. Yeah, Clayton Fredericks designed it, and his brother is the kind of runs the booth, and the Fredericks family is just awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's that 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 one that was pretty pricey. Yeah, that was an expensive yeah, year. Did you have to bit. carry that on the plane? I don't remember. In my lap, really? Actually, I think God. they made me put it up above. I can't remember, but I walked in carrying it like on the plane. And you know what? Is nobody looks really weird at you when you leave Lexington with a saddle? It's when no, you get to Phoenix that airport. <laughs> <laughs> I never really got to shop very much in Kentucky because when I was younger, I just didn't have a whole lot of money because I was like a teenager. And then when I was older, I was usually working in some capacity. So I really didn't have a whole lot of time. But I do remember one time I was working for Eventing Nation and I think it was my first or second year there. So I wasn't super sure exactly how hard I was supposed to be working. And so I was like, <laughs> I'm just not going to shop. Like, I don't want to be that person and like shirk on my work duty. So I just won't shop. Well, I really needed a bridal though. And I was like, I got to try and find a bridal. So I remember I ran down, I was in the press room and I was like, Hey, Jenny from Eventing Nation. I was like, Jenny, I'll be right back. I got to go do an interview real quick. Ran downstairs and liar. Like, That's the first booth that I could find. <laughs> grabbed a, a black figure eight bridle. I don't know how much it was. I was like, I'll take this and like stuffed it in my purse <laughs> and ran back upstairs. I think it took me five minutes. And I don't, I mean, I'm sure if I would have been like, Hey Jenny, I need to go buy a bridle for yeah. my horse. Jenny would have let five. you go buy a bridle. <laughs> Jenny shops. I've seen her shop. It's there. not like Jenny's a monster. I no. just was like scared little <laughs> Sally. Not sure if I should be like the good golden employee or not. So I was like, I'll just sneak it. It's fine. Yeah. I've seen well, her shop. How much does Jen spend of your money at Rolex? You know, she she's does, always shopping. Yeah, she's shopping, but I think it's probably been a couple hundred dollars at the most. Uh, but we always drove, so the whole flying and being inhibited by that was never a problem. 
So that was bad. (laughs) That was bad. bad. What about most memorable years there? The one of the weather wise. Let's talk weather a little. Oh God, the pouring down rain just a couple of years ago was pretty bad on cross country day. But the year that they kicked us all out, cross country had just ended, and they they evacuated the park for for tornadoes. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. When was that? Yep. What was that? We were there together, weren't we, Jamie? It was one of the years we were together. They evacuated. It was cross country. The storms were brewing, and you could see them. And cross country just ended, and they were like, they came on the loudspeaker and said, please evacuate the park. And I remember because the vendors were all pissed because that's usually when people shop. But it was one or two o'clock in the afternoon, and you had to get out. Wow. Yeah, and they brought all the horses. (laughs) I remember this, too. They brought all the horses down to the Alltech Arena, into the arena, and they all stood in there. Because that's where else are they going to go, right? That's the only, that's the safest place. Yeah. Wow. So how long yeah, ago was right. this? Kind of four, five, five, six years ago, maybe. Wow. Yeah. I the, just remember I one before where it was raining so hard. See, I need to have my friend Nancy on because Nancy and I have gone to every Rolex together, and there was one, and it was probably like, gosh, it was before maybe 2004, 2005, where it rained so hard that the entry list dwindled down to like 20 or only like 20 people actually tried to go out on cross country. Um, It might've been the year Kim Severson won. I can't remember, Uh, but it was, it was a long time ago and it was, it poured, just poured. And I felt so, you know what I do is I feel bad for people that bring their, I feel bad for the dogs. People Mm -hmm. bring their dogs like, come on. Your dog okay, is like well, I'm, walking I'm bringing the my dog this year, but he's very portable because he's very small. So I don't feel as bad because I can just kind of carry him wherever when he gets tired. Do you have tired. one of those little rat you know? dogs? He's not a rat dog. He is a chihuahua, but he does not look like a rat. <laughs> I'm very defensive about this. He's very cute. He's, so, he's very he's very large for a chihuahua, actually. He's like nine pounds. That's a big chihuahua. He's Usually they're chihuahua. like two pounds. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's very bulky because he's been very active his whole year. His so whole he's life. a big so he's rat. Been, yeah, he's not a rat. <laughs> I've seen rats. <laughs> hey, uh, so, so the other thing, you you had a guest on last night, uh, Jamie. They're having a show jumping after cross country in the big stadium this year. So so people will have, have reason to hang around. And the or- you had the organizer on last night. He said they're sold out. Yeah, it's crazy. So we had um, Derek Judge on last night. I'm sorry, no, that's not his last name. Derek, I can't remember his last name, but his name's Derek. Quentin Judge. And, um, so, oh, yeah, Quentin Judge. That was the other guy. Yep. Um, so Derek was on our show, and he's the guy behind Split Rock Jumping Tour, which is the tour that is putting on this show jumping. It's a CSI three-star. I don't really know what that means, but it sounds legitimate. So The fences the are Grand higher. Prix. Yeah, so <laughs> the fences are higher. Um, they're bigger than what the eventers will jump on Sunday. So that's cool. And they have all these really big names coming. It's um, They have Kaylee Cuoco's husband, Carl Cook, who's the Kaylee Cuoco's from Big Bang oh, Theory. Do you think she's oh going to be there? Oh, my God, Kaylee's uh, going to be at Rolex. Do you think she's gonna, gonna, and I'm not going to be there. She's judging the, um, the cross-country tailgating. That's what I heard. Oh, my God. God, really spreading rumors here but that's what i heard yes oh my god i know i'm dying like i'm i don't know what i'm gonna do but i'm gonna die so <laughs> um anyway uh now i can only think about kaylee coco this is weird okay, you so, were saying who else is going to be riding yeah, the show jumpers so got, um hang on let me pull up the event team or the list um Glenn, you're so I cannot. I cannot believe I'm not. I'm over here dying. I'm over here going. (laughs) Oh my god, this is the year I have to miss. 
I know. I'm really upset that you're not going to be there. Glenn. Well, maybe like, the I'm... maybe the surgeon will cancel the surgery at last minute, and I'll be able to go. Totally. Yep. Well, you totally okay, so, did not go because of WEG. So that's why you told me we weren't going this year. Yeah, because we were supposed to go to the WEG test event last weekend, which we didn't do because of the whole surgery thing. So now, now that changed. And you weren't going to go because you were possibly going to be away, but then you went away last week too. Yeah, I can go. <laughs> I can still go. You have your American you Airlines go. tickets. So we've got... Now, this is the initial list. I, I don't know if it's con- the final list, but just for example, we've got Kent Farrington, Margie Engel, Jessica Springsteen, Marilyn Little, who's also an eventer, and she's also competing in Kentucky as well. So that's kind of cool. Um, we've got Aaron Vale, um, Eve Jobs, Steve Jobs' daughter. So Jessica so Springsteen, Eve Jobs, and Kaylee Kuko all on the same place. Yes. Yes. Are so you that means Bruce right is going to be there too. Yep. Yep. And maybe yeah, Bill. Maybe, maybe Bill. Maybe. Yeah. Or not. Uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's going to be cool. It's, um, I think it's going to be a really cool way to kind of get the two sports together. And I, I mean, I don't know. I've never really gone well, to it'll, a big time run. It'll definitely so give excited. that afternoon. The only thing there was to do was go shopping. Yeah. So, so it, the vendors probably won't be super happy. For yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it will keep people around longer, though. So I, I can say they used to do they used to do raining on on Saturday evening over in the Alltech Arena. But the problem there was people wouldn't stay by Saturday evening after a day across country. You wanted to go eat something and go back to your hotel. Yeah, I've never been to the raining thing. I was always way too tired. Yeah, see, I yeah, think me that, too. That's why it has to happen in the afternoon, right after. Like now, did I see William Fox Pitt pulled his horse? It's oh, not did coming. He? I seen. Yeah, I think I think that's yeah. what I read. That's unfortunate. I was really looking forward to him coming to Kentucky this year because he hasn't been for well, a few years. Apparently, what I read now, was Oliver Townend, who is also shameless plug on the cover of Heels Down magazine this month. Um, Oliver Townend is entered with two or three horses, and he has not officially confirmed yet that he's coming. But I know the flight leaves like today or tomorrow, so I think he's going to make a decision. Well, the problem they're having over there is the weather's been so yeah. horrible. It's been mm-hmm. raining for months that they've had to cancel almost every event, so they yep. haven't had a chance to get their horses ready. Yep. Uh, that's the problem. Yeah, I know. I saw Oliver had some of his horses out this past weekend at, um, was it Belton, I think? And then they've got another event this coming weekend that has just been canceled. I just saw. So yeah, it's been crazy. But this is not the first time that's happened though, because I don't. You guys remember? There's been a, there, every year. I feel like there's a few events over there that get canceled. Yeah, and I did uh, this year. <laughs> Jamie, you're gonna love this too. The share of prize money is four hundred thousand. So wow. It's four, do you remember when we started going to this? It was maybe fifty thousand. But it's four hundred thousand now. Um, the, the Grand Prix on that we were just talking about is going to be two hundred twenty-five thousand. Yep. Yeah, so it's a, big a lot one. of money to throw around. It's a big one. <laughs> is it too late for me to enter? Now, is Heels Down sponsoring the five K race too? No, isn't that so funny? We're getting like free advertising. Now. Yeah, it's the Heads Up Heels well, Down five K race, and I went, "Oh, you guys are sponsoring a five K." <laughs> No, but everybody's been asking me that, and I said, nope, but you know what? If you want to think that, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Oh, man. Somebody else. I think it's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> obviously. 
well, I'm not a runner. I could walk with my dog, but you know, there's some people that'll run. Leslie Wiley probably will run because she's a crazy person. Yeah, and they will be there. <laughs> I just got a note from Leslie to remind everybody that Leslie will have their tent as usual. Uh, we will not be able to do trivia for them as usual, uh, so I'm oh, sure she'll man. find somebody. But uh, Leslie will be there handing out prizes, and they will have their free beer and food. So look for the Horse Nation Eventing Nation tent. Were you guys there the time that they did the Jimmy Wofford dog thing? I don't remember. It was a couple years ago. I don't remember that. I don't one. know what you're talking about. Yeah. So we had this thing that um, Jimmy Wofford came by and we did like dog agility with random people's dogs. And Jimmy Wofford, I think he had just released a book or he had a book about cross country training or something. And so we brought him over and we were like, Hey Jimmy, can we get you on video critiquing these dogs jumping over these things? And he, it was hilarious because he took it super seriously and was critiquing them <laughs> as if he would the horses. I was dying because I had to interview him and I'm sitting there snorting on camera. Um, it was so funny. I'll have to send you guys He is video. so great. He, he is great. one of my favorite people. Yeah, he is great. He's hilarious. You guys, uh, it just sounds like you're terrified every interview you do, Sally. No, I'm not terrified. I just make an idiot out of myself no matter what I do. I'm not I'm I'm usually not even scared or nervous, but something always happens because apparently subconsciously I am. <laughs> well, you guys have a great time in good stories. Uh, yeah, and, well good luck with your surgery. Yeah, and we'll look forward to catching up with you after. We'll get a report from you after and and also um if it's okay with Patricia, which I'm sure it will be, we'll take the show you do there, the heels down episode you do next or is it next Friday? Yeah, next Friday. Uh, yes. Yeah, at at uh, Land Rover, and we'll oh, also I'm... put it out on the horses in the morning feed so that everybody oh, can listen to it because yeah. we're not doing any here as well. So, as long as that's okay with Patricia, we'll yeah. be happy to do that. <clears throat> Sounds good. Well, thank you, Sally. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, take I'll care. talk with you soon. Bye. Bye. Talk to you next uh, when they go on vacation. I want her. <laughs> right. okay. Sounds good. No I'll problem. Be there. We'll book her. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. So you still could go next week and just fly up and hang out. Yeah. Um, can I drop Lucas off in Ocala for a couple days? <laughs> yeah, 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 go ahead with that. Do you want him back alive? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I am going to go to Wyoming in, in May. So I don't know if I'll have internet service. So I'll be taking some time off there, too. So there you <laughs> so go. it's going to be an interesting uh, month of the, May, uh, the month of May. Yeah. Well, thank yep. you, Jemmy, for producing. We appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for stopping by. I'll talk to you all in a week and a half. But uh, Jamie will be here with uh, Jennifer and Lisa on Friday. And we have a book to read, don't we? Yes, we do. Oh, my gosh. I got to get ready. I didn't prepare. All right. Well, while you're getting ready, I will play the opener so everybody knows yeah, what I'm we're ready. doing. All right. Take care, everybody. Equation is the first of the Cat and Wright mystery series written by Lisa Wysocki. It features Cat and Wright, a Tennessee Appaloosa horse trainer, Darcy Whitcomb, teenager with a trust fund, Bubba Henley, a budding juvenile delinquent, and John Gardner, a mysterious barn manager. And of course, there's Sally Blue. Thank you to the publisher Cool Titles for allowing us to read this book. If you want to read ahead, all four books in the series are available in stores and online everywhere or at lisawysaki.com. Chapter 25. Deputy, it's Cat. Guess what? I am absolutely, positively, completely sure that Glenda Dupree was the great-granddaughter of Colonel Sam Henley. So? 
His tone was skeptical. So I said, I think her mother, Opal, Opal is the illegitimate child of Sam's daughter, Alice Giles Henley. I heard the sounds of conversation on the deputy's end of the connection. Hang on, he said to me. There was more muffled conversation before Deputy Giles came back on the line. I'm sorry, Miss Cat. I know you're trying to help, but what the actual proof do you have? And even if you did, being illegitimate ain't cause for arrest. It ain't a crime. I can't pull someone in just because their parents weren't hitched. And honestly, I don't see that it has anything to do with the murder or the disappearance of the Henley boy. Okay, I said deflated. Sorry I bothered you. No, Ms. Cat, it's not a bother. You never know. And Lord knows I got on your case when you didn't say something. So please feel free to call anytime. Hey, I got to go, but I'll call you later. He hung up the phone. Disappointed, I sat at my desk and thought, that had to be it. The scandal involving Alice. Opal had gone out of her way to make sure it wasn't dredged back up. What could be worse for a woman of Opal's generation than for her parents not to be, as the deputy put it, hitched? She must have been ostracized a great deal as a child to harbor such strong feelings about it today. My mind shifted gears and I jumped to the day I found Glenda. I remembered it was raining. I was mad and went to her house to confront her. There was no answer at the front door, so I went around the back. The house was so still, so quiet, but I went in the back anyway. I thought no one was home, so why did I go in? Anger? Curiosity? I decided the question was unimportant, shoved it aside. The fact was I had gone in. I found Glenda. I was sick. And then I called the police. I sat outside the steps. I heard a car and Adam was there. Then Deputy Giles showed up. The sheriff and the press arrived and I talked with all of them and then watched with Adam as they got ready to load the body. My mind jumped again. Robert Griggs knew somehow that Glenda had choked to death. How did he know that? Hill Henley lost a sale of a prized Tennessee walking horse due to Glenda's death. Or was the death due to the loss of the sale? It was all too confusing. I called Adam to let him know I wanted to come over and looked at the crime scene. There was no answer at his office, on his cell, or at the number next door, but I left messages at all numbers anyway. I grabbed my jacket to ward off the rain that had started and once again hightailed it over to Fairbanks. Well, before I arrived, I could see remnants of the crime scene tape fluttering in the slight wet breeze. Either Adam, the police, or the elements had taken their toll on the bright yellow strips. The front door was locked and there was no response to my repeated bell ringing. I couldn't tell from the windowless garage if Adam's jag was housed inside, so I splashed through a muddy patch in the yard around the back and once again, the back door eased itself open after a few loud knocks. Adam really needs to get that fixed. Inside, it was deathly still. The clock above the stove had stopped. The curtains were drawn, and the whole feeling was tomb-like, dark, damp, and chilly. Adam? Adam, it's Cat. Are you home? I tiptoed across the hard bricks and plush, dark red carpet that covered the dining room floor. My heart was thumping to beat the band, and my breath was coming in short, sharp gasps. I'd either have to stop sneaking through other people's houses or get a prescription for Valium. I glanced at the stairway as I entered the hall and was relieved to see that someone, probably Cindaloo, had cleaned up my mess. I stopped cold at the cordoned off entrance to the living room. Glenda had always been a stickler for perfection. And to the casual eye, the living room was as she had always kept it. But I noticed a small brass vase that had been knocked to the floor underneath an antique end table and that the table itself was out of alignment with the sofa that it stood next to. The carefully arranged copies of Architectural Digest on the coffee table were scattered here and there, and the portable phone, which was always kept on the table next to the sofa, was still in its cradle, but lay sideways against the base of the wall. 
I went back to the dining room, a room that had fed generation upon generation of Henleys. Despite the chill in the house, I was sweating in my warm downfilled jacket, so I took the jacket off and hung it on a chair. And then I wandered around the room for a few minutes, taking in details I had missed on previous visits. Finally, I sat at the huge table and tried to think back, to recover from the murky depths of my meager mind exactly what the living room had looked like when I found Glenda. I couldn't remember anything except for the bloodied mantle and that grotesque hand reaching up from the fireplace. Ugh. The slight disarray in the living room was more, most likely the work of paramedics and the police. I think I would have noticed right away if the room had been trashed the day I found Glenda. If it hadn't been, then that meant there wasn't a struggle and that Glenda probably had known her killer. I just made a mental note to ask Cindy Lou if she'd straighten the room when the hairs on the back of my neck prickled and I sensed I was not alone. I whirled my head around to check the kitchen door, the door directly behind me. Nothing, yet I couldn't get over my unease, and slowly I turned my head back around and was immediately knocked off my chair with a blow to the left side of my head. Just give it to me and I'll forget you were here. I blinked. Standing over me were two blurry, hooded, and draped figures that slowly merged into one. What? The notebook, said the figure. Glenda Dupree's notebook. You have it. The voice was gravelly, distorted, rough, and unrecognizable. Since the night I realized Bubba was missing, I'd battled a nervous, shaky, fluttery feeling, but now a horrid, icy calm filled my being. It was a feeling of paralyzing fear. Of the two feelings, I definitely preferred the former. My ears were ringing in my head, and my head was throbbing so much I couldn't think. The figure took a step towards me. It was a kind of slow, careful step you take when you mean to catch an unwilling colt, but you don't necessarily want the colt to know what you have in mind. I, I, I don't have it, I said through the fog, pulling my feet towards me and away from the approaching hood. I silently thanked the guardian angel that had made me invite the deputy into the house Wednesday night. He'd left with the notebook tucked deep into an evidence bag. Otherwise, it probably would have been left out on my kitchen table, e easy for anyone to find. The cloaked figure took another step towards me as I somehow struggled into a squatting position. There was blood dripping on the floor near me, but I was too frightened and concussed to realize it was mine. Give me the notebook. She knew about the basement medicine. I tried desperately to think. I couldn't remember anything from Glenda's notebook had said about a basement, and the only thing that could be construed as a medical notation was the L-opium plus saffron plus wine, the opium equation. L, as I later had found, stood for laudanum, the concoction that had been used for centuries as a painkiller and was still being used during the Civil War, as in back in Colonel Sam's day. They said that in his later years, the colonel was crazier than a mad cat. I wondered if his madness was consistent with his addiction to laudanum, and I bet that it was. That solved a big mystery surrounding Colonel Sam and the smuggling. Probably opium was not a big crop in the Mid-South during the Civil War, but I bet it was grown in boatloads in China, and Darcy had connected him to China through the information she found on the Internet. When the war ended, I wondered, did the smuggling stop or had it continued? And if it had continued, what, if anything, did it have to do with my crouching on the floor with an insane cloaked person hovering over me? And why could I not think so clearly about this when I couldn't figure out how to stand up? Basement medicine, I thought. Was it Carol said about her safety and her kids? I blinked my eyes to try to speed up my thoughts. Didn't work. Codeine, basement, kids, keep it locked up. I blinked again. Surely this can't all be about some cough syrup, and sur surely it's not that hunky Keith Carson, or worse yet, Carol under that hood. Before I had a chance to look closely for identifying characteristics, said, the notebook is mine. Mine. 
Then a large, strong, gloved hand flexed and the cloak hood and all charged at me. I wasn't physically strong and quite I was physically strong and quite fit from daily workouts in the saddle, but I had been weakened from the blow to the head. I tried to stand and run, but was overcome with dizziness. Instead, I started to crawl towards the front door, but the figure kicked me against the stairway. I pulled an object out of thin air and suddenly realized what the object was. For the first time, I felt like I was going to be killed right then and there. Outside, a banging came from the thick antique front door. At the same time, the figure voraciously, viciously swung the long metal hoof rasp at me. It looked like the same hoof rasp I had picked up out of the backyard that morning and had laid on my kitchen table, shaped like a long quarter-inch thick metal ruler with a wooden handle on both ends. Hank had found it in the barn and thought he'd appropriate it for his own use. However, the flat metal part of the hoof rasp had several hundreds of sharp, small points, like the gigantic nail file that it was, and Hank's tender mouth doubtlessly had found it a bit too much. I was dimly aware of the front door flying open at the same time the whiz rasp, the rasp whizzed by a centimeter from my left ear. Deputy Giles filled the doorway, saw us, and the world stopped. You know, Miss Cat, as I said, he said, as I somehow scrambled upright. After you hung up, I just got an awful feeling like maybe I should have listened between the lines. Like maybe you'd head over here and this one time I'd get here too late. I'm telling you, I. Then the world jump started with an explosion. The figure swung simultaneously at the deputy and me. Ducking too late, Deputy Giles grabbed his ear and melted onto the floor. I distinctly heard the solid thunk of his head hitting 150-year-old wood. Then the monster smacked me twice from behind, knocking me through the police tape and into the living room. I lay on the floor with no particular interest in getting up. I had, in fact, no particular interest in anything at all. Everything around me was pulsing and throbbing in a way that was sickeningly psychedelic. I thought it very unfair that my dying moments should be so blank. My life should be flashing before my eyes. My loved ones should be gathered around me. I felt nothing. There was only the smell of blood and a warm stickiness along the upper left side of my body. I was sure there's something I ought to do, something important. My body paid no attention to my brain. My brain seemed to feel like I'd gotten into this mess and I was damn sure it better get us out. I kept trying to focus to stop the world from throbbing, but it kept on getting bigger and louder until I was consumed with it. And then after an eon, the throbbing slowed and eventually stopped. In fact, everything was stopping. I couldn't hear. My vision was getting spotty like I was looking through a heavy, dark veil and it was getting hard to breathe. I considered this development with great interest. Maybe it was all a dream. Maybe I was already dead. Maybe I didn't care. Then I got the giggles, but that was too painful for belief, so I tried to find something else to focus on. Glenda's portable phone was under a table, just inches from my fingertips. I stretched for it and giggled again at the hilarious distance between it and my hand. I stretched my right shoulder and brushed the phone with my finger. The floor screamed with my pain. I paused as the scream eventually died. I brushed the phone a little closer and could now see the keypad out of the corner of my eye. It made no sense, but there was a pretty red sticker by one of the buttons, and so that's the button I touched. The pretty one. While I was trying to figure out what to do next, I heard a voice from inside the phone. Now, wasn't that interesting? I giggled, but I don't believe the voice in the phone could hear me over the screaming of the floor. 